0: then started to take medication which is a slow release stimulant and panicked a little bit about it you know what's it gonna make me feel like is it gonna change me as a person oh god you know this is weird isn't it cocaine isn't it just taking drugs again it's like no it's been transformative
1: hello and welcome to this week's episode of the burnt chef journal a hospitality specific podcast dedicated to challenging mental health stigma and conversations designed to inspire a new healthier happier and more sustainable hospitality profession i speak this week with jack ellis who is just he's such an easy to talk to chap we we came across each other from this can happen conference he's the senior digital client lead at yahoo but he's a huge mental health champion he speaks a lot about global neurodiversity and having been recently diagnosed with ADHD he talks a lot about his own personal experiences but this is a very raw unfiltered conversation between Jack and I and we'd love to invite you to to listen in and and be part of this conversation with us so I hope you enjoy this week's episode I oh, don't. I have just spent the last two weeks moving offices, so I've got a broken alarm system there on on the wall, which I've just spotted. That's good. <laughs>
0: it's nice. I hate moving. It is awful. It's one of the worst. It's one of the most stressful things ever. Last year, that like, nearly broke me and my wife. Really bad. Really bad. Um, when did you move in? Just recently.
1: So I moved in officially on Friday, and I hired a van. I did the whole thing on my own. We moved all the stock as well because a big part of the Burn Chef project is e-commerce, which we then use the funds to provide free-to-access services. So, a little bit different to a charitable model. So, yeah, moved a lot of stock, a lot of shelves. Putting up shelves is almost worse than moving. Like having to build these metal shelves drove me at some stages to 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 just I don't know. Yeah, I was not in
0: it's, it's the overwhelm I think. I think' I've, I can't stand things getting too too big, too too overwhelming. like I have to try and bring things into it. I love bringing chaos into order. It's like my favorite thing in life. Chaos into order. Hit me with it. I'm intrigued now. go for it. I think it's part of partly an anxiety induced thing, but also I like to find ways of making things so efficient and essentially, if I don't have to remember anything, then the better. The, the less I have to remember, the better. So I've got all my lights at home uh, connected to Alexa, which I've just said now, and that's going to activate my device. Now it's There's it, some reason she ignored me. She obviously knows when I'm referring to her and not uh, talking to her. So all my lights come in on, on timers downstairs. I um, can control individual groups and lights and you know everything from upstairs. We had a bug zapper going off in the summer. like That came on at sunset. And went off at sunrise you know it's just like it's probably over the top like it's a bit mixed between like Doc from back to the future automated house and like wallace from wallace and gromit <laughs> just everything i can make easy i'm trying out a new air fryer at the moment for example <laughs> oh my god air fryers at this moment in
1: time I can't tell on the radio without people having like air frying competitions. Who's got the best air fryer? Who's got hold of an air fryer and is charging like four times the price for it? What? I, I still don't get it. What, what's, what is this all about?
0: And I'm just suddenly aware I'm talking to the Burton Chef Journal, right? So there's probably, if there's any chef listening to this, they're probably going, oh, what a, what a plonker. But um, I've, got, I've probably got the worst one, if that helps. Uh, I bought a cheap one just on the fly yesterday from Sainsbury's. You know what? There's another way of me trying to make dinner easier. And that was last night, and it took flipping ages. (laughs) Didn't help at all, you know. I had to do the potatoes in three batches. It took twice as long as the instructions said. So actually, went that went backwards, and that will be going back today probably.
1: (laughs) Oh no! I was just wondering whether or not I need to buy one, buy one, and get get my hands on one. But from what I hear, it seems like oh no,
0: I recommend it, but not that one.
1: (laughs) <laughs> oh right! If you're going to do it, go go hard. Go go for the go for yeah. the one that connects to your Alexa, right?
0: Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? But just uh, if any of your like chef friends have got a good recommendation on it, uh, other than don't buy an air fryer, that'd be really cool.
1: Yeah, buy a pressure cooker instead, and you can do giant twenty liter batches of stocks and gravy if if you and your family like just living off of
0: stocks. stock yeah not that sort of stocks but yeah (laughs) yeah not that no mate, i really appreciate you having having me on today as well like i enjoyed listening to your talk at the this can happen conference yeah which you know was my first one going to there so have you been to many before
1: no i haven't you know that was the first one i've been to and i said to zoe it is it's the only time in quite some time that i felt that you're not fighting everyone trying to challenge stigma and you felt like fully included like everything that was going on the discussions from various parts of different sectors was all about the same thing it was about people and well-being and it was just so freeing to be in that environment as opposed to you always fight you know, fight people's perceptions so is it is it something you've done fairly frequently you've done before?
0: No, so that that was my first. Um, this can happen conference, and I would say that this is all quite new to me still. And you know, I I was I'm going to be forty in March, which I still can't believe. I just feel like where did that time go? Oh, but I was diagnosed only four years ago with ADHD. It's never just one clear cut thing with neurodivergence. You know, it's, I I I strongly associate with the characteristics of you know, autism as well, and I have anxiety constantly, but they say that that's a gentle hum going on with ADHD anyway. It's very different to just like a, you know, an acute anxiety sort of. So this is all very new to me, but what I have done is thrown myself into just advocacy, I guess, but it's just talking... I just like talking about it because now I understand it. I guess part of it's selfish, part of it's like talking about it more creates a world which I can feel more normal in. But the other half is I can see people either one-on-one coming directly to me through linkedin or email or text or whatever saying i never knew this a about you or b that this was a thing and now i recognize it and or my son recognized this or and so it's like they're going to get themselves checked out and everyone's getting their brain assessed and it's great because i think even if you come out and go no you're fairly able to operate in the world that's currently set up quite happily then that's a nice thing to hear and be validated on but if not, then they might just answer a few questions that you've been struggling with all of your life, which I did. So I was lucky enough to be asked to be an ambassador for This Can Happen, as well as NABs, which is a charity dedicated to the media industry, which is where I were. I work in advertising for 20 years, hence the Yahoo t-shirt in the back there. And now I'm global co-lead for neurodiversity uh, employee resource group at Yahoo. So I think it's nice to have these um they are, it is an honour and I sort of pinch myself, but really my main love is just talking about it to the everyday person, wherever they are. I can even get in a 10 minute cab ride and have a full on chat straight in at the deep end about it all. Yeah.
1: But <laughs> do you ever find that the cabbie picks you up or the Uber driver, whoever it is, and you go, so what do you do for work? And you're like, well, let me tell you. And they're like, oh my God, I wish I'd asked <laughs>
0: No, no, it is. I, I I always let them lead it. So if they do ask that, I go, I'm in advertising. And then if they want to know more, they'll ask more. And if they don't, we just sit there in silence. Some cab riders are sitting in silence, right? Like normal normal cabbies. But once in a while, you'll get someone, you know, fully extroverted, wanting to have that chat and get into the deep end. And I'm happy to go toe to toe with anyone on it, you know, and, and it's great. You know, I, lo- I, I just love sharing my story and seeing how that, helps other people piece things together and every time i talk to someone i learn something new and and go oh right maybe I'll, i've realized not to be too sure about everything now the certainty thing's a tricky one because it just hurts when you realize it might be wrong so i just now go oh that could that could be right actually so yeah it's uh it's been an interesting ride do you think that's an age
1: thing or do you think that's a mental mental health thing do you think because it's something that i've i've become more conscious of i was adamant that I was always always correct and it's not until in the last few years actually my mind is now so completely open that I spend more time seeing things through other people's lenses than I do my own that's why I almost now become my default but what do you reckon that is do you reckon that's just the the fact that we're having these conversations quite frequently or the fact that we are just you know approaching 40.
0: I think I think you're right I think I mean isn't wisdom knowing? how much you don't know rather than how much you do know. You know, that's how I kind of put it together in my head. Because and ultimately it doesn't come from being a sage or like a wise old person. It's just from series and series of errors and painful, you know, mistakes and rejection and I just think it comes with wounds. I really do. I think wisdom you actually go, Ugh, I've tried to be absolutely adamant and certain about things it doesn't get me anywhere. It's it's good, to, you know, obviously you're certain about some things, right? Like death and taxes, whatever they say. And I just think that it, there's a wisdom and there's a an ease in accepting you really don't know an awful lot about everything. And it's great to know some things and be able to help, but also have to have that air of, look, I think that worked for me, but maybe not for you. You know, like you check it out, test it yourself. I always get people to test these things I share or, Make sure you ask that person. I'm not a professional, but this is my experience. You know, just all that stuff. It sounds like a lot of caveating, I know, but it's not. It's, I tell you my story. It's not necessarily advice, but look, let's let's try and work out a great plan for you.
1: Mm. I think that's also powerful about podcasts as well, though, isn't it? It's the fact that for me personally, I used to listen a lot to podcasts because I realized that there are other people in the world who, yes, they had different lives, different different journeys and and different experiences but there were some certain similarities that you that your being your fiber you connect with and you go oh bloody hell yeah perhaps I should you know try this you know or or perhaps I should try that and if it works it works you know you don't then go back to that podcast guest and say excuse me Mr sports professional uh, yeah, but <laughs> yeah you talk exactly to me about there was diet, a really
0: funny um there's a video with Samuel L. Jackson at the moment doing the rounds, which is really funny, where people are going up and holding him accountable for the roles he played in films. He's flipping hilarious. I mean, I wish I could remember all the examples now, but it's just like but like the, the one I loved you in Jurassic Park, but now my kids are running around with dinosaurs or something like that. It's, and it's just like that whole thing you're talking about, a farcical nature of holding people to account. It's like take it all with a pinch of salt. There you go. That's excuse the pun for the chef nature of your of your podcast but you know it's um yeah like it, it, i just think every time i've tried to go that's got to be the answer that must be it that, that's the way it is all it ends up doing is we spend too much energy arguing and not actually moving forward so yeah and, and like, like when i i grew up in um, southeast london i grew up in a single parent family we had a really colorful eclectic upbringing i would describe it as chaos which is probably why i spend most of my adult life bringing chaos into order now there were lots of fun moments lots of loving moments you know feelings of belonging but also smatterings of absolute anarchy at times and exposure to things way too young and it caused me to have a lot of problems I think I was born with ADHD clearly I know that now only four years ago and that was going to have problems whether I was in a very stable home or conventional or whatever it still has its challenges but what my nature and my nurture were in a troubled place, I think, for a long part of my, my youth. And there were always house parties at the house. There was drug taking going on. So I naturally got into that at 15 it, onwards. Instruction to all those adult grown up things that were way too much for young mind. Saw a really violent horror movie when I was only an infant, you know, cause I went around to a friend's house who wasn't particularly responsible. It's like all these things that had a, a family friend, very close to us who committed suicide. It was it was just chaos, you know, Um friend of a friend stabbed up the road from where we live. We grew up in, you know, that sort of neck of the woods, got really into the into the, into the crowd that just enabled this stuff. we just getting high or getting into trouble with the law, just on a, just, I don't know where that would end really. And then when I was about 18, 19, I started, I just had, I had a bit of an intervention from my, another part of my family. And other friends, I met my now wife, Liz, who I never thought I'd meet, you know, we get married and all that back then. And it's like, I was lucky, really, because I think a lot of kids like me either end up in jail or worse and were just struggling through life, which I have struggled, but I've also had a lot of support and help. So that's why another reason why I talk about this stuff and want to really raise awareness for it. But, you know, misdiagnosis all along the way. This isn't, I'm not somebody who, who hides behind a wall with this stuff. I've tried to get help. I've tried to take medication. I've tried to get seek counselling. I've done CBT. I've done all of this. And you realise when you're diagnosed with ADHD that you can't just counsel somebody out of that. It's like you're trying to operate in a world which your brain isn't. People who built this world today, you don't have a similar brain to them, clearly. It's just not set up. If the world was built like my brain type people, there'd be fidget toys everywhere and sensory rooms and a trampoline park and you'd work probably in the night in nighttime (laughs) no in the morning not in the afternoon (laughs) no sugar no yeah Yeah.
1: no stimulants like nothing nothing that could potentially like push you push you further but I mean talk to me about ADHD because for me I'm curious I'm always curious to learn and and I said the same thing to Emily when she was on as well I like Mm, i'm I'm not afraid to ask questions because i do want to learn you know i have barely Mm. scraped the surface of this incredible world that we've got so what is adhd and and when did you first perhaps suspect that you may be you know you may be experiencing adhd
0: well adhd i think everybody now knows stands for attention deficit hyperactive disorder and I think quite a, there's a growing number of people who are arguing against that description and wanting to change that anyway because it has negative connotations and it's in a deficit for example, when anyone knows with a d h d that once you get hyper focused and fixed on something, then you could, you're you're the black belt in attention at that point, nobody can take your mind off it, so it's not really quite helpful in terms of description, but that's what it is i didn't I knew I had it when I got told by a psychiatrist. But everyone else obviously knew I had it, if you know what I mean. And I just thought ah, I just I just couldn't I just couldn't work out why I didn't fit in the world. Really, everywhere I've worked, everywhere I went to school, I was always the odd one out. Just didn't quite operate in the same way or tick in the same way. I was very fidgety in school. All my reports said the same thing: he's brilliant for ten minutes and then he goes missing. Sometimes, literally, you know, and annoying other people or distracting or trying to make people laugh kind of thrill-seeking, really. So then that pushed me back a bit. But I've always been very bright, I think. You know, I've only just recently been comfortable enough to say that. But it's just, that's what school did. And then eventually, because of the environment I grew up in as well and where I lived, I took all the fruits available to me and, and just spiraled out of control, basically. So that's what that looks like. And even when I started to become stable, in inverted commas, And eventually I settled down. I didn't think I would. And very lucky to have my best mate as my wife. And she's just been a real rock to me. And we have three daughters and I just love being a dad. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. But uh, even through all of that, other people would say, you've got your ducks in a row. How can you still have problems, right? Just be grateful for what you've got, all this sort of stuff. And they are right, by the way. I'm not saying that in a sort of vindictive tone, but it's like, at the same time, if I can give you a taste of what's going on in my head, you know, you might understand. and it's. I just slipped out of control again. So I went back. I I relapsed about five, six years ago, back into um, taking drugs and getting drunk. And I was trying to escape, basically. I was scared of responsibilities. I was scared of going home and not being a perfect dad. I have very high expectations of myself. I'm actually a brilliant dad. And a lot of people will say that about me as well. And I love my kids. And it's difficult to say good things about yourself sometimes. But those are things I really pride myself on. I I read to them every night. I take real pride in raising those kids. And I love it. And I started to really struggle. And I started to feel that pressure. And I just thought, right, that's it. I'm going to get drunk. and Or, you know, just go missing for a bit. You know, it was just, it was like a hideaway. It was like a retreat, escape. And of course, if you've got everything sorted, you wouldn't do that, right? So I just went again and again trying to understand with the doctors why does this keep happening why do I keep relapsing why do I keep having anxiety or panic attacks or con- hyper focusing on having a specific illness or you know not fitting in certain areas and then there was a crucial moment in the summer of 2019 when so that's actually 3 years ago not 4 we're talking about 3 years ago uh where I had um, a series of panic attacks I had one every day for a week which everyone's panic attack looks slightly different mine was full convulsions you know losing control certain functions shutting down basically and I'd have to get into bed it'd be like an it'd be like a quick onset of flu and that was it I sort of snapped and said to my work at the time I, I just need help and I was in bits right and I've never really taken a sick day for mental health ever it's only been two times and there were real crisis points and this is another thing we talk about later on but like crisis we must try and avoid. So I uh my work at the time just went right whatever you need go and see a psychiatrist go do what you need we're going to pay for it and it was amazing and my mental health first aid at the time Laura Andrews shout out to Laura w- a wonderful person a savior it, it, you know an angel on the ground right it was incredible and she just went just go and do it and so I got in front of a site for the first time ever don't know how I've evaded psychiatrists all my life, by the way. Child psychologist, counsellor, CBT, done a lot, completed it, got the T-shirt. Psychiatrist looks at my reports, looks at the report the NHS were doing about ADHD, the, the conversation that they had with my mum about my birth and my upbringing. And he just went, you've got ADHD? Clearly. So obviously. And I was like, right, I guess I kind of knew that. And he was like, so what are you taking? And I was like, I'm on antidepressants. And he was like, whoa. You need to get off those straight away, because that's the serotonin SSRI serotonin reuptake inhibitor, right? And not everybody with ADHD needs more of that. You know, it's good for maintaining like and getting rid of anxiety. But you, I was on quite a high dose because that's what they thought I had. The NHS and I'm not knocking the NHS by the way. I think it's a wonderful resource we have. It's just the specialist stuff. If people can access specialist psychiatrist treatment, I recommend it. If you're relating to what I'm talking about, so withdrawal. Awful, you know, difficult coming off that during lockdown. This was as well, eventually, because I eventually started medication at the end of the year and then March came around. And, yeah, as we all know where we were then, but I then started to take medication, which is a slow release stimulant, and panicked a little bit about it. You know, what's it going to make me feel like? Is it going to change me as a person? Oh, God, you know, this is weird. Isn't it cocaine? Isn't it just taking drugs again? And it's like, no, it's been transformative one of the things people think is if you give too much stimulants to people with HD they're going to go off the rails it's like actually slight like paradoxical nature to the brain it's like coffee's not even strong enough you need these ones to just level you and help you concentrate so it's helped my career it's helped my relationships it helped me get hold of my impulses because I was addicted to food at one point so I ballooned in weight because it's like well if i not taking drugs I'll do something else because that's you know it's kind of looking for that balance and it just helped with the balance so that's uh that's the long story and now where I'm at now is yeah talking about it a lot grateful to be able to have these platforms but I'm still on a journey myself and I still have more to discover about my brain and how I can help my own kids and 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 people around me and and just just try and yeah let's start break I just love smashing taboos basically chris it's just the best thing for me uh, I think because there's been too many hasn't there
1: yeah yeah hugely so i'm just i'm sorry i'm I'm captivated by what you're saying, because there's so many elements of that I'm just like yeah i i I feel you like again, different journeys, different upbringings, you know, I was brought up in Bournemouth completely different, but there's still you know, I'm still a human being, I still get those those urges and impulses, you know those times where actually there is too much on on your plate, and you go, i just want to f- just just disappear. Like that urge, yeah. that absolute yearning just to go just I I'm just gonna book a hotel in the arse end of nowhere for three days and hope that no one <laughs> knows I'm missing. Anything. Just because I yeah. like that almost escapism, right? Like you're a caged animal. That's mad. I mean, thanks, thank you for sharing because that's
0: oh, pleasure. Yeah,
1: resonates with me. It resonates with a lot of other people. So in terms of treatment for for I I don't like using the term treatment for ADHD. I mean, you were born with ADHD and how, however it is defined, but you were born like that. You're your human being, and you have that's that's you. That's part of you. It makes you up. So, does it need treatment? Mm. Mm, I
0: don't it's know. a difficult one. That one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what and, would you say? Well, that's the certainty thing again, as well, isn't it? Because I think when I started taking it, I think whenever I like something or something works, I'm biggest. I, I, I'm in sales, right? That's what I do for a living. It's and I shout about it, make sure everyone knows it's brilliant, and it's like it's just one of the things I keep doing and I suppose you need to be more discerning that but yeah with the medication I did the same thing I was like this is brilliant it's not for everyone I wouldn't recommend it you know it's I'm not a doctor so I can't but like this is what it did for me but you know like with everything there's there's a there's a downside as well and I guess I get you know some tension in my legs and I feel a bit highly strung sometimes and so it can be a bit wrought and a bit tense as I'm as I'm being treated but you're right. I think in an ideal world, we'd have a world where people wouldn't have to be medicated to keep up with the normal or, or keep down with the norm, if you like, because it helps me mellow and concentrate and focus. And unbridled ADHD can be, I mean, look. I, before I was coming on this podcast, I was looking up chefs with ADHD and I came across Heston Blumenthal and he was talking about how he could, it makes him brilliant at what he does, but also, you know, he might be difficult to live with in his own words. And it's like, yeah, we can be, we can come alive at night. We can wake up. It's my wife's birthday today, for example, and she's not very well, but we still kept the tradition that I've started, which is wake them up with blasting Stevie Wonder's happy birthday out of every speaker. And the kids all marching in in time to it, surrounding her with gifts and love and hugs and whatever. And, um, you know, it's just a bit like that. It's like, come on, let's do something else now. Like, let's be spontaneous. Let's go in here little bit rebellious nature sometimes I suppose like to push boundaries so yeah I think it's a difficult one Chris but at the moment the world's the world's not gonna necessarily and when I say the world I mean society and specifically my career and business and and that that we're changing it day by day rather and it's not gonna it's not gonna it's not gonna happen overnight it's not gonna maybe not be changing fundamentally in my lifetime but we know that the Current setup in schools, or it doesn't work for everybody. The current setup in workplaces doesn't work for everybody. I champion different ways of passive learning, for example, passive listening. So I always do a hashtag on LinkedIn keep your hands busy every Sunday and put some fidget toys up that adults might want to play with. You know, because <laughs> if you're sitting in a boardroom, how many grown ups are sitting around that table fiddling pens or clicking their end of their biros? There's a reason for that. And it's like, why not we just create that's really quite, smart executive cool. fidget toys like that? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We've I've got just quite started a few of those.
1: Um, with our well being packs. One of the things we do is like a, a journal. Uh, we call it the Mison journal, but it's basically a, a journal. So you can write down your, you know, your thoughts, your feelings, your aims, your aspirations, your gratitude. Um, and we provide a, like a, a water bottle filled water. And we also provide these now pens. And these pens have got like a fidget spinner top nice oh, let me have one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One will be winging its way to you very sure <laughs> thank you very but, um, much no you're very welcome but it's uh yeah i just me and my kids we just walk around the house flinging it
0: constantly Brilliant.
1: and then my wife is going just put the thing down just don't like stop <laughs> flinging it
0: but yeah what happens if you put it down <laughs>
1: i pick something else up
0: <laughs> exactly exactly
1: up or Start squishing it but yeah, I think there's an element of perhaps we all have ADHD on, on some degree, but it's difficult, isn't it? It's like the same thing as mental health. You can't, if someone's got a mental illness, it would be great to be able to give another person a pill or virtual reality or something just for that brief moment to give them mm. a taste of what it's like. But
0: mm. And
1: I think that's mm. what one thing that makes this subject matter so interesting and curious is that by having more of these open conversations, it yeah. might allow someone else just to go oh that's a little bit of me that is yeah. but, oh I didn't realize that but you yeah. never really fully understand can you
0: no well the thing is is that if we're all trying to relate to something if we want to understand it otherwise we either ignore it or we go it's like a selfish gene thing isn't it I'm not it's not in a bad way I'm just saying that if someone's trying to talk to me about a problem they've got I'll try and relate to it or maybe that's just empaths i don't know but I, anyway my point there is um like with anything you know if i guess if someone was in a wheelchair or something you know and they're telling you how hard it is to live without being able to walk we wouldn't really say yeah i know what it's like yeah i get sore legs sometimes or i find it hard to stand you know it's that would be quite distasteful wouldn't it i suppose so i guess we just have to just be not sense like yeah just sensitively aware of you know when we're talking to anyone who's been diagnosed with a neurodivergence or just like it's just something it's new to all of us right we're all trying to figure it out but I guess one way to help is is by not necessarily trying to relate but just trying to hear the other person out right because I think sometimes people can be quick to go oh yeah yeah, yeah. you know I get that and it's like you know unless you've got ADHD like you just said you won't really understand how it's a 24-7 battle it doesn't go away you don't have times where i'm a bit adhd or i'm a feeling a bit ocd today or these are real things that really affect people's happiness and well-being and livelihood and it constantly by the way it doesn't go away it doesn't, it doesn't come in fits and starts it's just the state of their brain trying to work in an environment that was created by neurotypicals and it's it's just it's a constant well, not a constant struggle, but it's always something to think about, put it that way. It takes energy. It takes time and resource to try and navigate things sometimes, like paying a uh, toll for, for the bridge or, you know, like paying taxes, paying, not paying taxes, you know what I mean? Pay, pay, well, I had one recently, basically, where the Dartford Tunnel has a crossing, dart, dart charge, changed cars, forgot to update it. I'm sure a lot of people have that, but we go, oh, i do it all the time. It's like... Times that by everything in my life, very hard to keep on top of. And I think sometimes, to be honest, these companies can be held to account a little bit. Dark Charge is really simple and brilliant, actually, to give them their due. But there are others where they just make the com- – it's the, the, so convoluted and long-winded. They're basically trying to get people to trip up and get fined. It's mental. So I just think um, it's a constant thing. And I think it's good to listen. And, and by the way, if anyone listening to, us, to this does relate heavily, go and talk to somebody Go and get checked out Go and ask the questions i think i might have this it starts with your gp which we've all got access to
1: i was going to say because like you said that you managed to get through pretty much most of your life without ever speaking to a psychiatrist and i don't think i've ever spoken to a psychiatrist tons of psychologists but never a psychiatrist so how do you how do you how did you finally get access to to that that person
0: well for me like I said earlier it was through work and I had a crisis point and I think crisis is a really important topic that I'd love to raise today as well that I got to a point where I was just yeah like broken and almost you know not getting you said that you got through most of your life it's like actually times I didn't get through you know and and almost didn't a few times right it's really serious and luckily I had a I, I do call her an angel Laura you know at the time who sat with me and you know, really heard me out and and got me the help I need. But the insurance policy at the time ruled out helping with ADHD. It's a chronic developmental disorder. So, you know, I had to get extra help and extra support even then. And so many doctors didn't pick up on this and didn't get me treated for this. And it's very, very difficult. And one thing people with ADHD don't have a lot of all the time is patience. And we have a lot of determination, though. And and, and it, it just took so long that it's taken a lot out of me. So to see a psychiatrist, I went through the insurance and had a special bursary by my work at the time. I think a lot of big bigger companies now are offering that because yeah why wouldn't you? But you have to pay for it otherwise. It's quite expensive sometimes. You can get a self referrals. There's there's a growing amount of self referral uh websites and links online now to get checked out. They take longer is there anything so you just gotta wait and be on waiting lists. The NHS can do it. Again you know, the NHS has been under a considerable amount of strain in the last couple of years, so there is going to be a backlog of things like this, understandably. So it's one of those where, look, if you can afford it, I would say pay for a psychiatrist until we start making these things more accessible down the line. Because, yeah, like you said earlier, with mental illness, for example, it's probably, let's just take the classic one of clinical depression at the moment, that's probably easier to spot if the patient's willing to disclose and talk about it and be treated because the medications, there's three types that I think main SSRI's available through the NH- NHS straight away. But once you get diagnosed, it's still not easy. You have to then get go through a titration period. I went through various medications, some which knocked me out completely, some didn't work at all, you know, and then eventually you get GPs who have to sign that off. And it's like, I'm very lucky, right, to be able to do that and now have my medication through the NHS. So, eventually, it doesn't cost as much. But it's expensive, it's timely, you get a lot of no's, a lot of rejection, a lot of closed doors, and yeah, it can just take forever.
1: If you're enjoying this week's episode, consider heading over to our website and supporting our ongoing work in destigmatizing mental illness and creating a healthier, happier, and more sustainable industry by purchasing some of our branded merchandise. We have a whole range of t shirts, hoodies, chef's jackets well-being journals, plus a whole host more available on Worldwide Dispatch. All funds raised from sales of these items go towards free-to-access e-learning content, as well as providing free support systems and help for those who may be experiencing difficulty with their mental health. It must have been really difficult, especially when, you, as you say, you've got... You've got something that you, you you're not quite right, especially if you're experiencing crisis. That's that's quite an understatement. But you've got that, plus you've got other concerns. You've still got your life going on, and now you're also having to try and fight fight the GPs and fight fight the clinicians to try and get some sort of way forward. And it must must be challenging, right?
0: Very very challenging. It's, it just tests your patience. I've just got um I'm just born with this like. Never ending like determination, though. Like, even now, when I'm having to do, I've got to do every school run this week, i got to do everything at home, I'll go and pick up stuff from the laundry, got to do all the shopping at the house, cook dinner. And that's what m- my wife would be doing if I was unwell as well. But it's something within me, you know. Sometimes I like to have a, if somebody asks me or catch me at the right moment, I'll have a cry and a little bit of a, God, it is hard actually. Anyone who shows me any sort of kindness at the moment, I'm in bits because it's difficult at the moment. It's one of those times. So you just have to, i just I just dig deep and get try and build that resilience muscle you know, and really just keep going because I don't know it feels like life, it feels like living i'm ultimately I'm very, very fortunate, so that's why I keep going really but for the crisis point, we have to help people before they get to that point. I don't have the answer yet I, I, yet. I think it starts with making sure we have good signposting at work. And if you can't have a mental health first aider, then literally signpost intranets in your offices, you know, help line managers because they don't know everything, you know, help them to understand if someone on their team is suffering. Let's, we need to get better at that. I think all of us, mm.
1: I would, I would say we need to go one step further. Like one of the issues that I have, so I, I'm, I'm very much a why person. Hmm. why why do we do things the way we do things is there a better way of doing it I, I, and why should we ever just be be happy with where we are currently and so i look at things like mental health first aid for example which you know is a course that we run for hospitality specifically and it has tons of benefits but what on earth are we doing trying to teach people how to cope with mental health crises Mm, why are we well why are we why are we waiting until people get into a crisis to be able to support them why is why is this even a thing and by offering mental health first aid are we just acknowledging the fact that we are in a massive epidemic and that that's the only thing we can do to stop gap that or should we be offering early signs should we be offering how to be better empaths should we be you know providing training and educational tools on emotional intelligence to to primary school level you know why why are we why are we enforcing uh, from a massive corporate level look we know that there's a fire over there or we know that there's a, a trip hazard that's going to break someone's leg but let's just leave that there until that leg is broken and then we we'll, mm-hmm. we we'll know we'll know first aid, we'll know how to fix that
0: it's so true mate that's and i know I just, no, brilliant.
1: I don't know. I know, I know that look, there's so many benefits of mental health first aid. This isn't, a, this isn't an attack on that training. No, 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 no. no. Training. Yeah, no attacks. There's a lot of, no, definitely not. And there's a lot of proactive tools in there that allow people to start to shape their organizations or shape their cultures so that they are healthier and more sustainable. But we're still acknowledging that the shit is hitting the fan rather than trying to stop the speeding train from getting up traction. We're just going, okay, well we know how to deal with that when that speeding train hits and then there's destruction in its wake. It's just
0: It's so true, mate. Well, what all of you just said I couldn't agree with more. And I love hearing actually, and that's one of them ones where it's like, Yeah, I'd love to talk with you more about that, about how we can help that, because I love that why nature and you're somebody who I just think I'd end up following down that rabbit hole to try and work this out. It's brilliant what you just said. That's just resonated with everything I'm trying to work out in my own head at the moment. Really good. Yeah. Let's not wait till the leg's broken. It's <laughs> so good. There's also a lighter side to all this as well, right? So I haven't just had a life of misery. Uh, there's been some times where it's been quite funny, actually. And I think those close to me and accept me for who I am, my foibles. We've. I just always like to share these bits because sometimes it can sound like a like a real, like, Intense down one, right? But there's some amazing. Yeah. Like my brain is, is going 100 miles an hour from the moment my eyes open in the morning. It's just go, blah, 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 everything, all the ideas. I also have ticks, literally vocal ticks or facial movements. Can't stop moving sometimes. There you go, it was one just started. And one thing we know about ticks is the more you pay attention to them or tell somebody to stop or you try and stop, like, the worse they get, invariably. So, you know, my daughter has ticks. you know, and it's, um, we just, we just don't pay any attention to it. We just have an air, unless she wants to talk about it. It's a, it's a complete, it's a, we just, and so there's some, there's some lighter sides to this. And sometimes, um, you know, that comes with a slight Tourette's nature as well with me. So like I've been one story. I remember I was in, in a, I went to a friend's house. He said, I'm having friends over and it was kind of like a community meeting rather than just like a social and I went in and there were, I don't know if you've ever had this. You walk into a room, there's far too many people per square inch in that room. <laughs> it's immediately the electric hum I could just feel. And it was way too close. Faces all like just up in each other's grill. And there was cakes and tea out. So you could hear everyone, um, 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 right? in Battenberg, oh, move, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Now, so some people, I'm really triggered by that. I'm not exactly a really like polite eater or whatever but I'm just really triggered by mouth noises. <laughs> so so it's complete hypocrisy, really. But uh, um, anyway, we're sitting there, and then we have to be quiet. So now we're in this room where there's far too many people, people sitting on armchairs because there's not enough seats. There's people of all different backgrounds there, and I'm sat right next to a, a frail old man. Now, I'm a gentle bear, right? There's nothing to me, I, you know, unless I'm playing football, whatever, I like to, like, you know, competitive. But there's, there's no, I'm not doing anyone harm. But for some reason, the thought goes through my head, be careful, you know, and I'm always saying to the girls that someone's got a stick, just be really careful, mindful of that person. But of course, the, you sit there going, the worst thing you could do now is, like, you know, budge into them or, like, you know, accidentally trip them up or something, you know. And But that goes through my head too much, and then I start going, oh, God, now I'm panicking. I'm actually going to annoy this person. or And so... But right at the end, all of this built up in my head. And my mate talking said, that's the end. Has anyone got anything to announce? And that word, all of that energy <laughs> went through me. And I went, I'm pregnant and just <laughs> shouted it out. And then the old man just sort of looked at me and smiled and went, good for you. Like, And I was like, <laughs> I don't know, I need to leave now. It's really embarrassing. I sort of laughed it off, but it's what I mean. Like, I can't be alone in rooms with really quiet, shy people in case I... I worry up upset them, you know. <laughs> it's that sort of panic. <clears throat> do you ever, can you relate to any of that, or do I sound like a real crazy case right now?
1: No, no, not at all. I'm, I'm, yeah, very relatable. When I, for a long time, one of one of my one of my illnesses or experiences, I guess, when it came to my mental health, was a personality disorder. So I, I didn't know. I think uh, during your adolescence, you you quite firmly. Well, Sometimes if you've got good, I don't know what, what what defines good. But like, for example, my eldest daughter, she's 10. She's defined herself. She knows who she is. She walks through school with her head up high. She's confident. She's wearing what can only be described as a tea cozy on her head at the moment because that's what she wants to do. And that's her style. And she's vibing with that. And she's, she's owning it, right? I didn't learn any of that. I was very much like I spent a lot of time having thoughts that perhaps weren't not even socially acceptable, but m- more like conversationally acceptable, like a random thought would flit into my head. I'd be like, have you ever looked at the way that like that particular dress looks? It just looks like a penguin. Like, <laughs> yeah. like that's the sort yeah. of, you know, it would come into <laughs> your...
0: <laughs> So relate to that. It right.
1: your... Yeah. It comes into your head, right. And you say it and people go, what the fuck? Well, they yeah. <laughs> you try to tell a story. <laughs> 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 you try and tell a story and the entire time in your head you're going god you sound like an absolute idiot oh god, you're going to completely and utterly balls up this punchline so I, I, I get it and it was for many many years it wasn't until I, I completely and utterly went down a complete self-sabotage black hole I was like I don't belong in this world I just don't fit in that I suddenly realised that the better you are at owning that, that those quirks those thought processes and people go, God, I don't get you. And you're like, no, that's completely cool. I know that that sounded weird or if behaviour was a little bit, you know, perhaps not acceptable, but that's me. And I'm not going to hide it or shy away. I found that life has suddenly become a little less challenging, a little bit easier, but you know, it did take a breakdown at the age of 28 to get there. So, so I, I get it. I resonate with you. I, I get, you know, for me, like you're talking about that, that man in the stick, my thought process was, Oh God, I wonder what happens if his stick got kicked out
0: yeah and, exactly. and I, I wouldn't be it's the same thing you, you get know, when you're I, standing on a bridge and you don't you know it's not you're not feeling suicidal but it's like imagine you jumped and then your then your legs start getting twitchy you get that as well all the, literally all the time all the time and like again
1: I, I i i'm in myself yes i'm incredibly stressed and overwhelmed it's taken me weeks to get this call booked in with you and to talk oh, to likewise you, man it's, which i again, understand yeah i'm apologetic for but and I'm not, I'm not, I don't have suicidal tendencies at this, at this moment in time and this stage in my life. But I do, you know, driving back from Birmingham the other day, I was like, I wonder what happens if I just twitch and, and my yeah. car is off the road now. And yeah. and, and it, it comes in and it goes out and it's yeah. not impulsive and it's not something I want to do. But I do have those sort of thoughts quite frequently. Like, oh, like, wonder what happens if I did throw
0: myself on top of the shard i don't want to take you to the pool the <laughs> bottom. Oh, like, cold. But I think I think it's 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 good that you're saying this, and I think it's cathartic, also probably for you as well. But it's you're a why person. You said earlier, right? You, you can't necessarily switch that off all the time. You can't always make sure that really awesome curiosity you've got can only be in really positive things all the time because that why thing can sometimes be like. So, like once I made a really nice pudding like dessert and it took me hours to make it It was like one of these really fancy ones for Christmas and I looked at it and I thought what if I was just to ruin that now it looks amazing I'm taking it around to friends and I just put my finger right into it and, I, and it was like oh that's ruined it now so I had to do the top all over again so that's where it was like I let the impulse win not the you know like in that sense but not always impulses but it's just it, that what if moment isn't always going to be always productive and yeah, game-changing and pioneering and entrepreneurial. Sometimes they're just ridiculous. I just think, by the way, I think all you're saying there, the word that comes to me is acceptance. And acceptance is so key. I would say, like, I used to to, to try and make everyone laugh, like, just be real shock jock, you know, and say the most offensive jokes and the, the ones... i just try and make everyone gasp, you know, and come out with the most... because. I don't know, it was like a thrill-seeking thing. It was just a way of trying to get a level balance or trying to get attention. And once in a while, that went down wrong, you know, and offended people. And of course it did. Um, There's also been some real funny times as friends in the pub just having a laugh about your cheeky thing. And that's fine, right? We're not hurting anyone. But um, one other time that comes to mind, we were in a big company, all hands. You know, there's about 200 people sitting there. CEO comes on stage, goes dead quiet. Right, and I'm back two rows, I'm second row. And I just go "Happen," <laughs> Like that. I make a honk noise with my throat because I've been doing it a lot that week and it's like the whole fucking room just like What? And like the guy at the guy at the front just sort of went, Everything all right there? I could have died. Like I could have like swallowed me up. That was not to try and get a laugh or try and get attention just the silence just killed me and made me do a funny noise i just think that's quite i think a bit more of a light-hearted example of, of, of living in my brain
1: it's uh i i i hear you i hear you and i wouldn't i don't i mean christ i've never i've never spoken to a psychiatrist to find out if i've got adhd it's i do you find that in social situations then when it is quiet that sometimes you feel compelled to feel that and just talk and talk and talk. Or social situations. If you are in a social like I was in a kitchen Sunday for a fundraiser, with some incredible women in Birmingham, so shout out to to those at the wilderness who did who did that event. But I had to stop myself. I was like, because I said I was going to leave. And half an hour later, I was still there. And I was talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. I could feel myself getting all het up. Mm. And and I could feel like my adrenaline pumping. And I said, I'm going to have to go now. I said, because otherwise, if I don't actually put my feet into action, I'm never going to leave. Do you find like Do you find yourself in the situations where you just constantly talk?
0: Absolutely. And if I'm given free rein to, I won't stop until someone sort of says. And then I'm then my rejection dysphoria kicks in and goes. Now let me get there before you. Actually, I should probably go. So it's just complete mess. But like, I'll talk if people want to hear about it, and hopefully pick up on the signs not to when when it's time to stop. But I do butt in sometimes and talk over. And now I'm overly conscious about that and overthink that. So yeah, and I'm always overthinking things as well, and how that went across. It's just yeah, can be it can be really stressful and upsetting as well at times, right? It can be really funny, but also just like, like every situation I leave, I'm gonna I'll be overthinking and ruminating about how that went down, or I far I fit in in that situation. Or so yeah, it's life's full of, of of colorful moments, and but I like the way I see the world now, and I like the way i I like the way I see the world now if that makes sense because I've always seen the world in the same way but now I embrace it I accept myself you know I've kind of put to the past the bad things I've done and the things I feel ashamed of that clearly my condition was at the root of I take responsibility for my actions but at the same time it's now like trying to move forward and accept that you know for example I don't see I respect people in leadership and I don't have a problem with authority I don't I see the world in quite a lateral way, I suppose. That's the right way to put it. So if I'm talking to a CEO, I'll give him just the same or, or she the same amount of respect as anybody. Uh, someone greeting me at the door in the office or who might be um, cleaning our offices that day or see see on the street. It doesn't matter what your job is. I see everyone's got a value. And it's not like an overworthy point. It's just, yeah, just because you're super CEO, loads of letters after your name. I love to hear about your life, but I also want to hear about the person who's a recovering drug addict. who can't get a job. I want to hear about their life as well. And it's just, yeah, maybe I should start my own podcast, Chris.
1: <laughs> Do you know what? I think, I think hang out with Jack or, you know, some, something on a weekly basis to hear. I I think so. I think you heard it here first, guys. You've got to, you've got to follow Jack and sign up to his podcast, but I think it's, it, it, these sort of conversations, like, I wish that when I was in my teens, that more, like, podcasts as a format existed, and perhaps not mobile phones didn't come in, but, you know, I wish that I, I could have a conversation, or could listen to someone else's conversation, where they were like, oh my god, do you have thoughts? Like, you know, what does the Thames feel like during the winter to jump into? Like, you know, how 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 far down will I get swept? Like, you have those thoughts as well. Because, and and the whole reason the Burnshire Project started, and you won't see behind me, but there's some portraits that I took, that I started taking, these black and white portraits, right? Oh, nice. And the whole purpose of these was just to show, because... I went and sat in a bloody therapist's office. I say bloody, she was incredible. But I sat in the therapist's office and I went, I want to walk around with a big empty space in my head like everyone else in the world because no one else has these thoughts or has intruding thoughts mm-hmm. or impulses or no one else says the wrong thing or whatever it be. I Genuinely, when I walk past you know, Jeff, who's walking down the road towards me, they're just black hole in their head mm. they're completely blissfully unaware mm. and i genuinely believed that for years and had podcasts and conversations like this where we can go yeah bloody hell i had an epiphany this morning that when i'm not thinking i'm genuinely probably a lot healthier and happier when i'm not actively thinking about things Mate, for sure switch that brain off for a bit It'd be great wouldn't it yeah but like that's happening to me that's obviously happening to you because there's a level of empathy here i wonder how many other people i mean it's happening to everyone else in the world but we just don't talk about it and then that makes us feel isolated and lonely and segregated when in fact actually so many people and going back to your point it doesn't matter what your position is it doesn't matter i couldn't i couldn't care less you're a human being and what i What I know now quite acutely is when you walk into a room or a meeting or a Zoom call with me or you come into work, whatever it might be, you've had A, thoughts going through your head prior to walking in. B, you've got a life. C, there's a whole load of events that could have happened to you or for you or with you or against you before you get into that room. And as a result, I'm interested to learn. I'm I'm accepting of that and I want to feel empathy from that situation it doesn't matter if you're if you're bloody Mark Zuckerberg or if you're the lady I'm gonna go down the road and who's gonna make me my lovely sandwich we have a laugh we have a joke you know we we have a conversation I genuinely ask her how her day is and how she is and this is a woman I don't even know the name of but it's
0: important that that level of connection is felt no matter what connection you're right that's the word isn't it that's the word, like people want to hear from these Mark Zuckerbergs, and I do as well, but you're right, it's the connection thing, because when I, when we finish this call, we'll go and talk to people down the road to have a lunch or whatever, or whoever's around, and you're right, it's that connection, even with someone delivering your parcels, it's like, I was going, you all right, mate, you know, and someone come around and do some work on the house, connection's the key word there, it's got to be, isn't it? We're all looking for that sense of belonging, we definitely can't teach people how to behave until they belong, you know, in any sort of walk of life, I don't think. So it's find your tribe, find your find your belonging.
1: Yeah, it is connection. So like even our DP, the DPD driver, bless him, Oscars, he's a, a Polish chap who's delivered my my quite heavy clothing items for quite some time now. Yeah, and we have connection. I invite him in for a coffee. Like, come in. How's your day going? Like, have you got many parcels on today? What's going on? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. I was like, yeah, but let's have a conversation. Let's 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 talk. And now, like, he'll he'll phone me. He's like, Chris, I got a delivery for you today. I'll drop it to wherever you are. But there's connection. It's not like you are you have a job, and you provide a service. So provide that service. It's like, what's going on with your day? You know, it's it's pissing it down outside. Do you want a hot drink or something? Like,
0: yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Not everybody wants that. Some people just want to come in and get on with their job, don't they? Or whatever. Like, I have quite a few people come out and work on the house and the garden. Lots that moved in last year. No, I, know this, I know the pain you're going through. We had a lot to do here. It's I want to talk to all of them and find out everything. Like, everything. One of the one of the lads who came out to paint our house, he was telling me about his, um he can really relate to the ADHD stuff. And we just ended up talking for ages. I got in trouble with his boss, actually, because he was like, look, you, you paid me to do this job, and now you're keeping him off the job. It's like, yeah, fair point. So, so <laughs> we're sort of rebellious connectors, I suppose. But all I do know is that it's going to be a life of discovery again. But at least you know, once you've had that mandate and that from a specialist, you know, steeped in this world. And I might see another specialist again one day and just see another uh, opinion. And I've met so many amazing people already as well, like just through, you know, this can happen or like through LinkedIn. I think I just want to really give that a little plug if that's all right. Like, I, never, I came off social media about five years ago and then started using LinkedIn properly as a, as a real purpose, might make a return to the Facebooks, Instagrams, of this world one day and but I have to have a purpose for it really. And then with LinkedIn, it's like, yeah, I, I champion stuff on there. It talked about, I did a post recently about cows being ruminants, part of the ruminant family and we're overthinkers and they chew things over, you know, and I'm a ruminant, I'm a cow, you know, and it's like, who else is a cow, you know? That's something you mentioned earlier. Also, just about, let's talk about anxiety. Let's talk about the name ADHD. It's just, yeah, like trying to open up a conversation. and I love who I connect with through that. I did some videos as well last year for ADHD Awareness Month. Funny enough, ironically, October was ADHD Awareness Month and today is the 1st of November. It's over. So we're still having ADHD awareness through me today on the 1st of November. Um, it's the overlap. But yeah, it's, it's just learning about, it's just creating a community on there as well. And, and just some of the people that come through after seeing those videos and testimonies have just been like, take my breath away, really. Like yeah, I never thought I'd be able to help somebody get real help, change their life for the better. It's a humbling thing to be part of. So do connect with me on there. Jack Ellis LinkedIn. I don't know what the URLs. It's been a long, funny one, but you'll find me.
1: <laughs> Jack is, uh, he, he can only be described as a uh, rugged <laughs> <laughs> handsome gentleman uh, Need to have a shave, and if you, <laughs> yeah, if you're struggling to find them because there are so many rugged, handsome gentlemen uh, on on LinkedIn, and and uh, then find the Yahoo banner. Yeah, uh, so you're. I've, I've got it up here. You're a senior digital client lead, mental health champion, global neurodiversity lead, and public speaker. But Jack, and I'm conscious of time, especially again, birthday and countless tasks but just before you go i've got two two last questions firstly is a bit of a challenge for you in no more than i don't know 20 words or so what is neurodiversity
0: uh, according to me i'll see because there'll be experts out there <clears throat> say otherwise um neurodiversity is the collective term for developmental conditions such as ADHD, autism spectrum disorder, dyspraxia, dyslexia, etc. Yeah, that's the collective term for it. And I, it's essentially exploring how different brains operate.
1: Lush. And that uh, leads me quite nicely into my second question then, which is, you know, in hospitality, it's a very fast-paced environment. You know, everyone has been to a venue of hospitality at some stage, let alone potentially worked in it. What sort of things could... The hospitality community do in order to make workplaces more neurodiverse.
0: I think that um, it's quite a twenty four seven nature. Hospitality, isn't it? It has a it has an element of n- night working and things like that. So one one bit could be you could if somebody was to come to you and say, "Listen, I've been diagnosed with ADHD, and that makes a lot of sense because I actually do my best work in the night." Then why not give them the night shifts? <laughs> it's I don't know. Like, that was one thing that just came to my head right there. They might prefer it than sludge through the fog of the afternoon. Be mindful and sensitive that people with ADHD and any new diversion like highly conscientious, highly honest, very determined, and you know hard workers. They just can't always choose when they do their best work. And try not to hold them to account for that. Try to celebrate when they can, and you will get infinitely more out of them than a lot of other people that you employ sometimes it's the way it works it's once we embrace people who are neurodiverse it's not it's not oh we've got to make special exceptions but well, we do but they're actually often some of the best workers in your workforce because they really care and they really want to be seen as and and counted and 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 valued and and provide value they don't always be told well done it's like actually i hope i did a good job. Mm.
1: And that's so important. It goes a long way in know about what sector you're in, is yes, not it? Yes, like, definitely. A well done. Look, Yeah. You know, I've I've
0: seen. Yeah. Encourage and be, be, be a bit sensitive. You, you're not, you know, you're not going to get, you're not going to have to mollycoddle these guys. It's just like, just tread carefully a little bit about it if you don't understand it all. But trust me, when you get them harnessed, they'll be some of your best workers. Mm,
1: I love it. Love it. And, any final takeaways for any of our listeners in terms of life lessons that you've learned or any key profound moment that you want to leave our listeners with that will make them go, fuck, yeah, I hear you.
0: I guess um, not really anything too profound, but I had a pretty profound couple of experiences growing up and saw things perhaps to, you know, when mine was still growing phase and everything else, there is a road to recovery for anyone who feels stuck in addiction or stuck in uh, a world they can't get out of. It's just, the, you know, if you're telling yourself just the nature of my brain, you know, remember, I don't know everything. Everything I've said in this podcast comes from, hopefully, that wisdom point of view, which is, I'm, you know, I'm still figuring this out for myself. Go and test everything I've said. What I can tell you is that I was in... Thick mire at one point, and I came out of it. So, if you are listening to this and you just feel like there's no hope, you keep getting shut doors, you keep getting told no, or you keep getting laughed out of a room, or you don't feel like you're fitting, you know, just well, as a start, reach out to me on LinkedIn or any one of us on the This Can Happen ambassadorship. Reach out to your workplace if you don't have a workplace. Let's try and figure it out because I was in that place, and I'm now not in that place, so there is a road out I think that's pretty profound <laughs> I hope so. nailed it I mean it <laughs> I mean it all um yeah, mate, thank you so much you're very, very welcome. thank
1: you for joining, and thank you for sticking with me as well your um your persistency paid off and yeah unfortunately i one of the things that you you've mentioned a few times is how we get locked on to certain things and I'm very much a magpie. So I'm like, Oh, let's do this now. Let's do this. Let's do this! Let's do this. And you go, Oh Christ, I've well and truly, you were talking about stress containers and mental health first aid training. My, my, my capacity box is very much overloaded. And so I'm very pleased that we had this conversation today and I appreciate you taking the time out on what is a very important day and also a very busy day for you. So thank you very much, Jack. Cheers, mate
0: no it's an absolute pleasure honestly i try and make space for these things and i'd love to catch up with you more as well chris outside of this podcast and hear a bit more of your story as well yeah for sure thank for you sure. for having me
1: we'll get a coffee in the coffee in the in the diary
0: or perhaps a herbal tea <laughs> perhaps yeah <laughs> love it cheers. thanks so much for having me i appreciate it speak to you later cheers cheers Bye.